1: who incidentally also came from Ogden. (laughs) So did President McKay. It's a good place to come from. Assembled here in this beautiful room, you present a lovely sight. The responsibility of addressing you humbles me. Brother Covey, inviting me to speak, suggested a subject. Brother Covey, I've I've accepted your suggestion, and I shall proceed now with dispatch. Under the hands of President McKay, I was set apart an assistant to the Council of the Twelve and charged to be a special witness to the name of Christ in all the world. For a few minutes this morning, I want to be about the nature of my charge, the business of that charge. Will Mary, the mother of the babe Jesus born in Bethlehem, please come to the stand. While she's coming, let me explain. I am pretending that you, under the sound of my voice, are another informal court of the people in which Jesus is on trial. Should I say on trial again or still on trial? In the minds of many people, Jesus is still on trial. Two-thirds of this earth's inhabitants are non-Christians. To them, he is not the Son of God. Among the skimpy Christian third are many who accept him merely as a great moralist, a great teacher, a great spiritual leader, perhaps a prophet, but not the Son of God. On trial 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I am The Son of God, with cries of crucify him, crucify him, the earlier court of the people, that is the rabble, sealed his doom. If Jesus is not the Son of God, he did blaspheme. He also lied. Why not compound the charge of blasphemy with perjury? Add fraud, deceit, whatever else you will. The truth must out, for every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Now let me pretend that I am counsel for the defense, calling witnesses to prove that he is the Son of God. Now please stretch your imagination and in your mind's eye see Mary here on the witness stand in this chair to my left. I shall now address her. <clears throat> Mary, when you, were a virgin, espoused to Joseph of the house of David, an angel came unto you. Will you please tell the court what the angel said to you? He said, Fear not, Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Mm, Thank you, Mary. That will be all. Now, my next witness is one John, scripturally cited as John the Baptist. Jesus came to Jordan to be baptized by John. And when he was baptized, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, saying, Now, John, you heard the voice. Please tell what it it said. I heard the voice saying, This is is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now on his way to the witness chair is a man once who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, not even with chains, Neither could any man tame him. Unclean spirits possessed him, spirits which obviously were cast out of heaven with Lucifer, for they remembered Jesus. But when he, this wild man, saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, The witness will please stand up and repeat what you said. I said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee that thou torment me not. And Jesus said to him, Said to me, Come out of the man. And many devilish spirits besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And he asked me, What is thy name? And I answered, saying, my name is legion for we are many Mm, thank you sir you may step down but before you leave may i say to you and to this court that you were not the only person from whom jesus mercifully freed evil spirits not many days before you received your great blessing scribes came to jesus from jerusalem saying he hath beelzebub and by the prince of the devils casteth he not out devils? And Jesus said to them, Can Satan cast out Satan? Now I have no deposition by those so so freed of evil spirits to submit to the court, but will the court please permit me to submit as evidence this scriptural citation, which historically is a matter of record. I quote, and unclean spirits, when they saw Jesus, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Nathaniel, a friend of Jesus, may now come to the witness stand. It's rumored about that one Philip told you, Nathaniel, about finding down in Nazareth the man that Moses and the prophets wrote about. Will you please confirm that rumor and relate your conversation with Philip?" I said, "'Can any good thing come out of Nazareth?' And Philip answered me and said, "'Come and see.' So I went to see, and I saw Jesus, and I said to him, "'Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Thank you, Nathaniel. You are excused. Another very close friend of Jesus will now take the stand. Martha, will you please step up? Martha suffered because Jesus arrived at her home too late to heal her brother, Lazarus, who died and was laid away before Jesus arrived. Now tell us, Martha, what Jesus said upon when he did arrive. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth on me shall never die. Believest thou this? And I saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art Christ, the Son of God, which should come unto the world. Then at the cave where Lazarus lay, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he that was dead, my brother, came forth. That will be all, Martha. You may step down. Now to be with him that he might send them forth to preach, Jesus chose and ordained twelve apostles. Three of these apostles, Peter, James, and John, were given a marvelous experience which made them very special witnesses of the Lord in his day. And may I add, very special witnesses also this day in this court. Will the apostle James be first? And will you please confine your testimony to that marvelous experience on the high mountain where Jesus, according to the record, was transfigured before you and John and Peter. You may delete reference to Moses and Elias, whom you saw there. Just tell what the voice said about Jesus. There was a cloud that overshadowed us, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Mm. that will do James step down down. now will John the beloved disciple please come forward and while he's coming may I say that this witness wrote a book with the apparent intent of revealing Jesus to be the Christ the Son of God Mm. am I right John why did you write your book I wrote that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Anything else you'd like to say, John? Only this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life thank you Don. john you may step down the tall rugged man now approaching the witness stand is the apostle peter a man of action and few words his testimony like those of his associates james and john deserves proud profound consideration when you hear him you will agree i'm sure You may proceed, Peter. Need I say, be brief, please. Jesus once asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But whom say ye that I am? And I, Simon Peter, answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you, Peter. You are excused. My next witness came voluntarily, but on two reasonable conditions. The first, there must be no scoffing, no heckling, no hissing while he is in court. Upon my assurance that that such conduct is beneath the dignity of this court, He consented to appear, provided I would preface his appearance with a brief statement concerning his motive for betraying Jesus, whom he knew was the Son of God. Judas Iscariot not only knew Jesus to be the Christ, he also accepted him as the King of the Jews. He and the other apostles, too, expected to hold high places in the kingdom which they believed Jesus had come to establish. Hadn't Jesus trusted him with the disciples' money and honored him by making him his treasure? He had seen Jesus feed thousands of people merely by blessing a few loaves and fishes, and he had seen many miracles performed by his godly powers. Surely, by the mere wave of his hand, he could, and he was sure he would, rebuke anyone who tried to lay a hand on him. He could, by merely raising his voice, call down legions of angels to help him establish a kingdom for the Jews. But Jesus crossed him up when he humbly submitted to arrest, and Judas was beside himself. Frantically, over and over again, he must have cried, Why doesn't he show his might? The glee that he anticipated in a show of might turned suddenly to despair and gloom, a deep, smothering, murderous gloom. He had betrayed his king. Not only the king, but himself he had betrayed. It shouldn't have turned out this way because of his act, both died violently. Judas by his own hand, Jesus on a cross before he could wash the kiss of Judas from his cheek. Will the prison guards please bring Judas to the stand? Now, after Jesus had fed the multitude by blessing five loaves and two fishes, he constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And he went up into a mountain to pray. The ship now in the midst of the sea tossed with the waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, the disciples in the ship, walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Peter, you will recall, climbed out of the ship and walked to Jesus, who stretched forth his hand and caught him. And when both he and Peter were safe in the ship, What did you say, Judas? I said, And all that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Thank you, Judas. Your guards will convey you you safely to the prison. There will be no demonstrating as you leave. My next witness begged for the privilege of testifying. He said that he might have some peace of mind where he accorded the privilege. Will the centurion who assisted in the crucifixion of the Master as a matter of duty, and who stood over against him and saw that he cried out and gave up the ghost, please step up and repeat what you said when the Lord did give up the ghost. I said... Truly, this man was the Son of God. Thank you, Centurion. May God grant you peace of mind. Now, to assist in the work of caring for the poor, the Apostles chose one Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost, who did many wonders and miracles. He fearlessly proclaimed Jesus to be the Son of God, and before so doing, he was seized and brought before an angry council of rulers and scribes. And there the high priest turned to Stephen and asked, are these things so? And Stephen knew that his life was in danger, and still he was not afraid. Turning to the rulers, he said, you stiff-necked people, you resist the Holy Spirit just as your fathers did. They killed God's prophets, and you killed Jesus Christ. The men were furious. They made threats, but despite the threats, Stephen paid no attention to them to give him courage to face his enemies. God let him see into heaven. And what he said there, what he saw there, I have asked him to tell the court. Now come forward, Stephen. please describe what you saw and tell what you said to this court. Being full of the Holy Ghost, I looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And I said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Before Stephen could say another word, the rulers seized him and dragged him outside the city gates and stoned him to death. He was the first man to be killed for testifying that Jesus was the Son of God. A man who held the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen is my next witness. Will he please come to the stand? State your name, please. Uh, My name is Saul. After my conversion... It was changed to Paul. According to the scriptures, you were severely taken to task by Jesus for persecuting his followers. He sent you speechless and sightless to Ananias in Damascus. Now tell the court about your meeting with Ananias. Reconstruct as nearly as you can your conversation with him. Ananias putting his hands on me said brother saul the lord even jesus that appeared unto thee on the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the holy ghost and immediately there fell from my eyes as it were scales and i received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized and straightway preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Thank you, Paul. That will be all. From another quarter, I bring one more ancient witness. Time will only permit one. This witness is Nephi, an apostle of the Lord on the American continent among the Nephites and the Lamanites. Nephi, like the apostle John, wrote a book to show that Jesus was the Son of God. He witnessed the appearance of our Lord on the Western Hemisphere after his resurrection, and he will now give a brief recital of that wonderful event. I heard a voice as if it came out of heaven. It was not a harsh voice, neither was it a loud voice, and it said, Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I have glorified my name, hear ye him. I also heard Jesus say, Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I created the heavens and the earth and all things that in them are. I was with the Father from the beginning. From the same quarter, but at a later time, I shall produce two very important witnesses. Sidney Rigdon, will you be first, and will you please relate the marvelous experience you had on February the 16th, 1832? Proceed, please, quickly. While we were doing the work of translation, the Lord touched the eyes of our understandings, and they were opened, and we beheld the glory of the Sun on the right hand of the Father. We saw him even on the right hand of God, and we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father. Mm, That will do, Mr. Rigdon. Now will he who shared this marvelous experience with you please come to the stand. It is with great pleasure that I present to the court the great American prophet Joseph Smith, who went to the Lord in prayer and asked, President Smith, this is your story, please take over. And my object in going to inquire of the Lord was to to know which of all the sects was right. I kneeled down and began to offer up the desires of my heart to God. And I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head. And when the light rested upon me, I saw two personages whose brightness and glory defy all description. One of them spake unto me and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. Mm. That will be all, President Smith. Now if you'll step down. I will call to the witness chair... A man who does not believe that Christ is the Son of God. Will he in the robes of the great high priest please come forward? Now my purpose in subpoenaing this witness is to establish for the record a fact pertinent to this hearing, namely that Jesus himself said he was the Son of God. It's common knowledge that in the earlier trial he so confessed and was found guilty of blasphemy and was put to death all because he said, I am the Son of God. That trial was informal, irregular, and illegal in many respects. The defendant was given no time to secure witnesses. Surely some among the thousands that he fed by blessing a few loaves and fishes would have come to testify in his defense. One of at least of the one at least of the ten lepers he had cleansed would have come to his aid. Those and a score of others whom he had blessed by the power of God would have similarly testified, had they been summoned. But they slept, while he was tried, unaware of his arrest and trial. Jesus deserves another trial, a fair trial. He deserves a trial in the minds of every living soul. In absentia, he is on trial in this informal court of the people, and Caiaphas, the great high priest, is now sitting in the witness stand ready to testify. His testimony, as I said, is needed merely to get the hearing, get into this hearing the undisputed fact that Jesus said he was the Son of God. The testimony of my other witnesses is of little avail if Jesus ever denied or refused to admit that he was the Son of God. And he never did. Caiaphas, you presided at the Sanhedrin trial 2,000 years ago. Please tell this court what you said to Jesus at that trial and what he said in reply. I said, Tell us whether thou be Christ, the Son of God, and he replied, I am the Son of God. Thank you, Caiaphas. Your testimony is appreciated. With the permission of the court, I would like now to bear my humble witness to whom it may concern. And may it concern men everywhere. Unlike the prophet Joseph, I have ha- I've never had the heavens open to me. Nor have I in this mortal sphere ever physically walked and talked to Jesus. Yet I know that he is Christ, the Son of God, and I know this because of the ministration of the Holy Ghost unto me. And you, members of the jury, also members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because of the ministrations of the Holy Ghost unto you. Emerging from the water after baptism, you too became recipients of the Holy Ghost, and under the hands of men who held the holy priesthood, who charged you in the name of Jesus Christ, saying, Receive the Holy Ghost, and by the power of the Holy Ghost ye may know the truth of all things the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He shall testify of me. And he has testified to each of you. I'm sure he has, so please add your testimony and your witness to those you've heard this day. Now, if it please the court, I rest my case. I have called 15 witnesses to this stand. Twelve, a full modern jury, came to corroborate testimonies contained in this record, the Holy Bible. One came to confirm testimonies recorded in the history of the early inhabitants of this hemisphere, the Book of Mormon. And one came to repeat testimonies published in this sacred book, the Doctrine and Covenants, included in this cover. And one came to repeat the testimony published in the Perligraite, great price, also under that cover. It may be that some of you feel inclined to disqualify some of my witnesses, imputing their testimonies to be mere hearsay, and thereby challenging their competency to testify. But suppose, if you please, that the witnesses had actually and personally responded to my summons, and that they had factually, rather than fancifully, stood here upon the stand, Would you dare then to raise the question of competency? Would you even dare suspect as you saw them approach the stand that they would repudiate the testimonies you've heard this day? It is not impossible that someday, somewhere in a higher court than this, these witnesses may so testify if other courts of the people, like the earlier court 2,000 years ago, continue to find him guilty of blasphemy. In early Israel, Moses established under God a law of witnesses, namely, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. This became the Jewish law in the days of our Lord. The early common law of England, after which our law is patterned, required 12 witnesses to the fact, also 12 jurors to the fact. And these jurors are supposed to know, we're supposed to know something about the case. I've given you 15 witnesses. If you accept them also as jurors, the verdict is plain. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, one of three decisions each of you must make. You may follow the example of Jesus and reject him, and thereby, as the Apostle Paul said, crucify unto ourselves afresh the Son of God. The Jews made that decision. They said, His blood be upon us and on our children, And so it has been, and so it will be upon you if you reject him. What the Jews did, they did in ignorance. And Jesus said upon the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Jews didn't really understand what they were doing when they put to death the Savior of the world. Pilate didn't know that the young carpenter standing before him was in very deed the great Jehovah, who had created the earth, the very Son of God. But what you do will not be done in ignorance. Secondly, you may profess to be neutral and believe neither one thing or the other, but, my friends, that is impossible. There is no middle ground. He either is the Son of God or he is not the Son of God. <clears throat> either We either accept him by design or we reject him by default. For when we fail to decide a question one way, we automatically decide it the other way. He that is not with me is against me. And the third course is that you may accept him as the Son of God. Yes, he truly is the Son of God. And to that I bear my witness in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU speeches compilations on overcoming adversity by study and by faith. Come follow me, love and marriage, and the prophet Joseph Smith. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.